Well, so glad to see you here this morning. If you are visiting with us, thank you for coming. We're just delighted that you're here, and I'll be back in Guest Central, as William said. We'd love to greet you and to say hello to you and uh, answer any questions that, that you might have. Say, I want to let you know about something very, very special that's taking place the weekend of April 28th through the, uh, through the 30th right here in our city. And I want you to write this down. I want you to take advantage of this. And I don't want you to be procrastinating about this because uh, the conference may fill up pretty fast. The Weekend to Remember, which is a part of an organization that's dear and near to my heart, Family Life. I have the privilege of serving on the board there. And its founding president is one of my best friends in the world, uh, Dennis Rainey. It's going gonna, gonna to be here in Atlanta, and both Karen and myself, along with Dennis and Barbara Rainey, will be speaking that weekend, and would love to have you come uh, to be a part of that weekend. Now, the weekend to remember is for uh, those who are, are engaged or seriously contemplating marriage, as well as for couples who've been married a month to 50 years or more. I mean, it, it is a great weekend that talks about and celebrates the biblical uh, foundation and blueprints for marriage. And uh, we talk about how to resolve conflict, the uh, roles in marriage, all of these wonderful things. And it's in an inviting atmosphere. And uh, I, I, I want our church to really participate in this. Uh, we, we all need this. And uh, we, we, need, we need refresher. If you're doing okay, it's great. And for some of us, I know some of us are struggling, and you'll get some answers there. I tell you what I say here when young couples uh, come to me and they want to get married. At the top of the list, I tell them, okay, you can come and get counseling here for six or eight weeks or this kind of thing, and that's great. We need to do that. Or you can go to the weekend to remember, and that's equal to about eight counseling sessions. Uh, it is it is really amazing, and it, you know we still do some counseling. They have questions that kind of we need to need to deal with. So I want you to consider doing that. You say Crawford, uh, we have church here on Sunday. You want to let us all go to that? Yeah, I'll just leave your tithe check, but you can go. <laughs> I didn't laugh. <laughs> Yeah. Bible says man should not live by bread alone, but we need a little bit of bread to live. That's what I'm trying to say. No, it is, it is great. And I uh, want you to go outside here uh, to Marketplace there, and uh, uh, Joy and Dan Rourke will be out there, and uh, they're representing family life. And just pick up the information today. Just, just, just pick it up. Um, and then you can also go online to familylife.com, and you'll, you'll get all the information that you need. I am passionate about this because all roads lead back to somebody's relationship. They all do. And we need to, need to do all that we possibly can to strengthen our family. It's our church is only as strong as the families and marriages represented here. Amen? Okay, that's what we need to do. That's not a knock on the single folks. You, you all strong too. But those of us who are married really need to keep saying, I still do. And uh, that's what that's all about. Well, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your goodness and grace. We thank you for your love and mercy. Uh, you have been better to us than we could ever dream or imagine. Thank you that you don't give up on us. I just, uh, I'm just captured by the lyrics of the songs that we sang already. Oh God, even though our sin fills an ocean, your grace is deeper still. What an amazing thing. Lord, we don't deserve you. We don't deserve what you've done for us. Thank you for snatching us and grabbing us. Now, Father, I do pray once again that you'll speak to our hearts. And Lord, uh, here lately I've been incredibly aware of the fact that um, nobody ever needs to hear any of my miscellaneous rambling and bunny trails and insights and thoughts about theology and issues and that kind of thing. But we all need to hear a word from you. So I pray that your word is clear today, particularly as we talk about this whole matter of the leading of the Holy Spirit. Give us, give us heaven's perspective. Give us, give us the boundaries, the clarity that we need. But more than anything else, may our hearts, oh God, long to hear from you and to follow that leading. Thank you for what you will do in Jesus' name. Amen. 
You know, we serve a remarkable God. The title of this series is, I mean, the title of this message today is The Leading of the Holy Spirit. And I just have to tell you, I did not know what Herman Alb was going to speak on last week. And it was pretty remarkable. If you were here last week, uh, Herman talked about basically teeing up what I'm going to talk about today. He talked about the door of blessing being open and being guided and led by the Spirit of God, which really is an illustration, an introduction to the message. It's really the application. Uh, Here he is, led of the Spirit of God to emphasize what the Spirit of God has led us to talk about in this series. And that's just how the Spirit of God works. And let me back up a little bit and say, and I know for those of you who have been here for a while or or during this series, you say, well, why are you so redundant? I just want to keep driving this home here. Um, I began this series by saying repeatedly, repeatedly, one of the reasons why we're doing this series on the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and I, and I, shouldn't, I shouldn't be so negative here, but I just have to state the reality, is that I happen to believe that one of the most neglected emphasis in preaching and teaching over the last 50 years in terms of our brand of Christianity has been on the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit. And yet I, I find I'm, I'm greatly convicted Because as you read the New Testament, we're living in, as you've heard me say repeatedly, the era, E-R-A, of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is to dominate, dominate this era that we're living in right now. Furthermore, as I've said repeatedly, and I keep want to drive, I just want to keep driving this home, God has called us to live supernatural lives. And I'm not being excessive here or unduly over the top or expansive, but that is the nature of biblical Christianity. God has called us to live supernatural lives. It is not the will of God for us to be controlled incremental Christians. It is not the will of God for us to be average believers. He has given us the third person, person of the Trinity to experience And part of the challenge when you talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit is that you just can't talk about him from a cognitive, cerebral perspective. The Holy Spirit is not meant to be surgically uh, uh, diagnosed and understood. Now, don't get me wrong. There is the doctrine of the Spirit of God, and we, we did this in the first couple of messages. Who is the Holy Spirit, and what does the Holy Spirit, uh, what does he do? And certainly, there's that intellectual framework that we need to have, that truth about him. But, but the challenge is, is that the Holy Spirit was not meant just to be cognitively understood. He is given to us to be experienced. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? He is given to us to be experienced, not just to be understood. He is the third person of the Trinity that permanently indwells us, lives inside of us to empower us. And if you would push me and you say, well, what's the most important message of the series? It's hard for me to say because I think it all comes together. But the apex of the series was a couple of weeks ago when I talked about the filling and control of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, and be not drunk with wine, for that's dissipation, but be being filled with the Spirit. And I just need to say this. That is a command. I emphasized that a few weeks ago. And listen to me, listen to me. The thought is with the command that anyone who is not controlled by the Holy Spirit is living then, therefore, in sinful disobedience to God. It is not a divine suggestion, it is an imperative. Because he came to take over our lives. And it's never okay for a follower of Jesus to live the Christian life in the energy of the flesh, but in the power and dynamic of the Spirit of God. Now, I have to say to you that uh, my particular struggle is that this message really is part of the filling of the Holy Spirit uh, because I'm going to talk about the leading of the Spirit. These two things go together. You say, why didn't you preach them together? Well, it it would have made the sermon too long. So it, 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 is, it, is, it is a part, it is a part of the whole idea of the filling of the Spirit. Listen to me, listen to me clear, hear me on this. We, this is terribly important for us Western Christians. We, we live in a context of a 
consumer Christianity, we think all that God has done is just strictly for me, and we hyper-individualize our Christianity. And so we can think that the filling of the Holy Spirit is just about me feel, feeling good about my, my relationship with God. It's just me, when I'm filled with the Spirit, it's my joy, it's all those fruit of the Spirit, it's, it's this, and I'm enjoying communion with Him. And that's not bad, that's part of it, but the only reason why we're filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit is so that we might be led by the Spirit that we might be led by the Spirit. It's not just so that we might personally be transformed. There is, there is stuff that he wants to do through us, and he wants us to be led by him. How many of you ever played that game, Follow the Leader? Yeah, when you're little, you play the game, Follow the Leader, Simon Says, this kind of thing. Well, you know, I, I play, I'm the youngest and, and the only boy. I had two older sisters, and, you know, they manipulated me growing up, Jack. And so, you know, I didn't get smart until like I was about seven or eight years old because they would, they would, my parents would be gone and they would have me play follow the leader. And follow the leader meant that, follow, you know, clean up their room or uh, wash the dishes for them or do their church. That was their follow leader. Then the lights came on and said, no, I ain't following that leader no more. So, <laughs> but in a very real sense, I don't mean to be profane or just overly simple here. But the leading of the Holy Spirit is no more than that. It's follow the leader. Follow the leader. Follow the leader. And that's what this means to be led by, by, by the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, you know, the, the expression leading of the Spirit uh, it conjures up a number of things. On one extreme, the expression can come to, uh, you know, make us think, well, is this some type of out-of-control fanaticism? I mean, we, we, if you've been around Christianity, you've seen some pretty nutty stuff done in the name of the leading of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I tell you, I could, I, could, I, could, uh, I started to do this. I could give you all kinds of experiences that I've had, real experiences I had. When nutcases, excuse the expression, but people who said some nutty stuff about what it meant to be controlled by the Spirit of, uh, or be, be led by the Spirit of God. And in the Bible, in the Bible, uh, the leading of the Spirit does not have anything to do with us being nutty or being inappropriate or this kind of thing. Now, I, I want to balance that off by saying that, that, that the leading of the Spirit will cause us to do some very uncommon things. But some of us, we turn that off because we say, leading of the Spirit? What is this? I mean, you're going you, to stand up and disrupt the service? Are you going to do this? Are you going to go too long? Or this kind of thing? What does that mean? The other extreme is this, and I need you to hear me on this because this is more prevalent than you might think. Some people use the leading of the Spirit, uh, of the spirit <clears throat> to disinvite accountability. And I've been around, I've seen that, I see it a lot, I see it today a lot, where you get strong, independent Christians who don't want to be accountable and don't want to be responsible, and in their strong personality or their strong bent or they really want to do something, they can drop God is leading me line on you. And it disinvites accountability. There's a huge problem with that. The huge problem with that is that the Spirit of God never leads apart from the sanction of godly leaders. So to be led of the Spirit is not, it's not okay for you just to veer off and to do whatever you feel like doing or to shut down accountability or to shut down insight. No, it's not that at all. Now, now mind you, mind you, mind you, I, I'm not saying that the Spirit of God always leads us to do the popular thing. Now, I need to finish this off, too. I, 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 believe, I believe there can be situations like this where the Holy Spirit is leading you in one direction and he's leading the organization in another direction. For example, when we left Campus Crusade for Christ, we left the organization um, um, because God was leading us for a different calling. It was time for me to preach and teach and pastor in this setting. Well, that's not what the mission of Campus Crusade was all about. God was leading me to do that. I, I had no right to stand up and have the, 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 the leaders in the organization aboard to change their direction and to change their mission because God was leading me to do that. There's no villains in this. 
And because God was leading me to do that, I can't change the organization. I just have to go on and find out, uh, follow what God's leading me to do. There's some people here in our church that may need to, this is something that Elvis might shoot me, but some of you might need to leave our church. Not because you're wrong and not because we're wrong. It may be that you have a leading, you have a direction that does not square with where God is leading us. And there's no villains in that. It just means that it's different. It just means that it's different. But I would say this, I wanna underscore this, and I know I'm spending a lot of time on this, but be very careful that, that, that you don't use the expression leading of the Holy Spirit to camouflage a stubborn, headstrong way of not submitting to authority. That's not biblical. That's not right. And so when we talk about the leading of the Spirit, let's keep those things in mind. I, I gotta hurry up here. Um, I wanna answer in this message three, three questions, three important questions. One is, what is the leading of the Spirit? Number two, who's led by the Spirit? And number three, how do you know when you're led by the Spirit? What is it? Who's led by him? Then how do you know? Uh, I started to go all over the New Testament because there's a lot of verses that I could use, but I, 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 I decided to anchor this all by one brief powerful verse in Romans chapter 8 verse 14. Listen to what the apostle Paul says in this verse. He says, now listen to these words, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. If you, if you mark in your Bible, I want you to circle the verb to be. All who are led by the Spirit of God are, are, Sons, sons of God, sons of God. Okay, well, well, let's back up. The question on the table is, you know, what is the leading of the Holy Spirit? Let me say some framing things. First is a definition. To be led by the Spirit is to be governed by the Spirit from within. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not a, a heavy thing. When you said you're led by the Spirit, it means that we're governed, we're governed by the Spirit from within. The leading of the Holy Spirit is much like the relationship between the shepherd and his sheep. The shepherd guides and the shepherd protects. The shepherd guides and the shepherd protects. The shepherd guides and the shepherd protects. The leading of the Holy Spirit is to navigate our lives and to guide our lives. Uh, there is the overall written will of God that we have that in the word of God. But then there are certain things that God wants done in and through our lives that are not specifically spelled out in the scriptures, but are part of his plan and purposes for us. That's where the Holy Spirit guides us and nuances us and maneuvers and leads us because he knows the ultimate destination. But it's also when you're being led of the spirit, it's not just being guided by him, it is being warned by him. That's where the protection comes in. Crawford, don't say that. You get this tug in your heart, don't do that. No, no, don't make that decision. No, careful of that. Watch that person. That's all a part of the leading of the Holy Spirit. He guides us, but he also protects us. Now again, according to this text, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Well, what's the importance of that verb to be? Well, it suggests that the leading of the Spirit is the very characteristic of those who have a relationship with Christ. It's the very characteristic of those who have a relationship with Christ. In other words, if, you're, if we're followers of Jesus, the mark of being a follower of Jesus is that we're being led by the Spirit of God. And if we're not being led by the Spirit of God, then we're not a follower of Jesus. Because the, 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 the presence of the Spirit of God in our lives, hear me, hear me, hear me on this, is not 
passive. It's not a passive reality. The presence of the Spirit of God in our lives is an active reality. It is an active force in our lives. He came to do something in and through us. Thus, there's movement. Wherever the Spirit of God is, there's change, there's transformation, there's movement, there's insight, there's illumination. There's all these things that are taking place because he's inside of our lives. So it's not passive. So to be indwelt at the time of the whole, uh, the time of salvation by the Holy Spirit of necessity means that we're being led by him. And that's what Paul is saying in this succinct verse. That if he's there and you say you're not being led, uh, you might want to go back and see whether you're really a believer. Because if he's there, he's doing. Hear me. If he's there, he's doing. He's not just present. Now, it is not just what characterizes us. It is a privilege that has been given to us. This is enormous. Think about it. God has plans for your life. He has plans for my life. There are things that he wants to do in and through us during our moment in history. And, 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 and it's a privilege. He has given you the spirit of God, not that he helps you when you're in a jam, but that he might take over your life and my life. He's the shepherd. He's the one that I follow. What a, what a great privilege. Now, I need also say that... Uh, 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 it is not some rare gift that has been given to a few. You know, it's not just the, 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 the leading of the Spirit is not just a gift that's been given to those of us who are, quote, in spiritual leadership and elder or public gifting or whatever that is. Now, we have too much of an Old Testament viewpoint of the activity and ministry of those. You say, what are, what are you talking about there? Well, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit did not permanently reside in the lives of those who had a covenant relationship with him. It was a concept of anointing was dominant in the Old Testament, meaning that the Holy Spirit came upon, not necessarily was within. He hovered over. He was with them. He was with David. He was with these leaders. He was with these great people. He anointed them for a specific occupation and for a specific task. The same thing with the prophets of old. Technically speaking, the Holy Spirit did not reside in them, but he was on them and he was with them. Now, when you transition into the New Testament, uh, the Bible teaches very clearly, and I talked about this a few weeks ago, that at the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit comes to take up permanent residence inside of all of us. All that to say that it's not, it's not some unique rare thing. I, I don't breathe any more rarefied spiritual air than anybody else does. And so the leading of the Spirit is for the priesthood of the believer. It's for all of us. Um, um, the leading of the Spirit is not a reward. You hear what I'm saying? It's not a subsequent reward. Thus, we go back to the text. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, all who are led by the, all, all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons or children of God. It is not a reward, it is a condition. We, we, we will be led. You, you don't have to do anything other than surrender to the control of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to do anything. You're, you're, not, it's not, you're rewarded. Well, here's the payoff. Here's your t shirt. No, it's, it's a condition. It's a, and this condition is flows out of the filling of the Holy Spirit. It flows out of the, the filling of the Spirit. In John chapter 7, I said this a few weeks ago, that great text, Jesus prophesying of the filling and control of the Holy Spirit. He says, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. It's a condition. That releases his power and direction and resources, impact and all of that in and through our lives. Now, I need to say this as well. The leading of the Spirit is not necessarily a means of escaping suffering and adversity. I want you to hear me on this. We got a lot of craziness going on when you talk about God and blessing we got to be careful that we don't let a West, Western American Christianity with our consumer lens redefine the plan and purposes of God. Be careful of that. Who said that we are entitled 
to go from one level of positive outcome to another level of positive outcome to another level. Who, who said that? Who said that? Where do you find that in this book? The Holy Spirit does not necessarily just lead us from one comfortable set of circumstances to another. God and the Holy Spirit are not primarily driven by our comfort. But it is the role of the Holy Spirit to make sure that we look like Jesus. And sometimes in order to look like Jesus, we have to go through what the Apostle Paul went through. We we have to be given the glorious gift of suffering. We have to be given the gift of adversity. And that too is the leading of the Spirit of God. Jesus, Matthew chapter 4, when he opened up his ministry, what happened to him? It says, and the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness to be tempted. What makes us think we're better than Jesus? I've talked about this so much that uh, two of the most formative years of my life, of our lives, Karen and our, our marriage, two of the most formative years of our marriage was the years between 1976 and 1978. We lived in Dallas and we went through hell. Baby had died just before we went there. And I thought I was going to Dallas for this set of reasons and God put a lid on it. And he said, I want you to sit, you and Karen, face adversity and learn about the sustaining power. The Spirit of God led us. Some of the things we write off as failures are profound successes. They're great things that God uses in our hearts and lives. So I, I want to dispel this whole myth and that we're afflicted with that somehow or another is like your career path. You just go from one level of glory to the next and one can increase visibility and all of this strokes and all of this kind of stuff. No, I've just met too many great, wonderful men and women of God who have served God in obscurity and died in the context of adversity and suffering, but there was joy in their hearts. Paul's life, Paul had no idea He had no idea that all these years later, people would be reading his letters and this kind of thing. If you chart his life during the time of his life, real time, he went from prominence to obscurity, locked up in jail, and his head got cut off. Was he led by the Spirit? Absolutely. Enough said about that. So if I would, if I would say, if I would say, okay, what, what's the core of the leading of the Holy Spirit? We talk about the leading of the Holy Spirit. What does that emanate from? What are the lowest common denominators? And I wrestled with this as I studied. What's the lowest common denominator? I, I'm going to use a series, a series of prepositions here, but, but, but here are the three core things upon which dynamic leading of his spirit emanates from. Okay, and that we can benchmark, okay, what is the leading of the Spirit? Here here you have it. Number one is this. The the, the Holy Spirit, in essence, always leads us to walk away from sin. Walk away from sin. The Holy Spirit is never, ever going to lead anybody to do anything that is sinful. Ever. And just... Now, I don't want to ask for forgiveness because I don't really mean it. So let me just say it. Listen to me. I've heard too many squirrely folks say to me over the years, they want to get rid of their wife or get rid of their husband or this kind of thing. Well, you know, I, I, I'm growing in my walk with the Lord. I become a believer. And they're no, you know, that's not my soulmate. This is my soulmate over here. I said, are you serious? God leading you to do that. You're sanitizing your adultery, man. Really? The Holy Spirit's not going to lead you to do that. Holy Spirit's not going to lead us to sin. The Holy Spirit leads us to walk away from sin. The second prepositional phrase is that the Holy Spirit leads us to walk toward Christ-likeness. Always in that direction. Leads us to walk away from sin. He leads us to walk toward Christ-likeness. And the third prepositional phrase is that the Holy Spirit leads us to walk in the works God has prepared for us. He's leading us to walk in those works. 
Ephesians 2.10, before time began, before you were born, the moment you became a believer, there are unique works. There are no, there, there are no coincidence in the Christian life. God is orchestrating your life. There are things that he has had lined up for you, and he's pointing you toward those things, pointing you toward those things, pointing you toward those things. That's the leading of the Spirit of God. This is the reason why, this is the reason why you cannot be casual with the filling of the Spirit. If you are, you're going to miss your mission and purpose in life. And so, that's sort of the nature or what it may, what, what, what it is in terms of the filling of the Spirit of God quickly. And let me answer the question, well, then who are led by the Spirit? Who are led by the Spirit? The word led here in verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit, comes from an interesting Greek word. It's the Greek word ago. We, it's, it's, it's A-G-O, ago. Ago is how it's pronounced. Uh, uh, it's transliterated from the Greek. It, 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 it was often used to depict of, uh, animals um, that were led by a rope tied around their necks. It implies a number of things. It implies a sense of someone leading and protecting you, back to the shepherd and sheep picture. But it also implies submission and humility. Submission and humility. I would suggest to you to be meaningfully led of the Spirit of God, you cannot do it apart from submission and humility. That, that's really what it's all about. Those who are led by the Spirit are characterized by that. Um, and I, I just, I'm just compelled to say this. You, 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 you know, watch your spiritual pride. I've said this here any number of times. Pride wears many disguises, including spirituality. And you've got to watch your pride. I have run into too many people, and I have been there myself. who have boasted about their spirituality, boasted about how the Spirit of God works and how God uses me, and you need to have these insights, and I can teach you these things. And all, it's all this condescending nonsense that, you know, I'm at the center of what God does, as if God doesn't do that for anybody else. No, what characterizes the leading of the Spirit is that you don't have to boast about it. You don't have to boast about how spiritual you are. You don't have to boast about how much you know. What characterizes the leading of the Spirit is a spirit of humility and submission. As my mama used to say, hey, hey, good meat makes its own gravy. You, you don't have to, you know, uh, the, all the authority and authenticity that you actually need, all that you actually need, all the boasting that you actually need, is, it, you know, it, it comes from the results. It comes from what God does through your life. You don't have to help him. And so to be led of the Spirit, who's led of the Spirit? Well, no, you, you, you let him, the rope is around your neck. You don't lasso him over here to help prop you up. No, it's around your neck, and you submit and follow him. It's all about honoring and glorifying him. And when the Spirit of God leads you, your heart ought to be filled with gratitude, not puffed up with pride. The amazing thing that God will use a broken, cracked, chipped clay pot. You remember where you came from. You remember he came and got you. What a privilege. What a privilege. The way we know that someone is part of God's family, as I've said before, is that we behave and act like it. Our daily lives are characterized by the supernatural. It's characterized by the supernatural. Uh, well, let me, let me give you three characteristics, I know I'm listening today, uh, of those who experience the leading of the Holy Spirit. Here, here, here are the people who experience it. One is this, the people who experience the leading of the Holy Spirit are those who walk in the truth of God's word. Now, this is a biggie right here. They walk in the truth of God's word. Over in John chapter 16, verse 13, you remember when Jesus was, 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 was uh, uh, prophesying uh, of the coming of another comfort, of the coming of the Spirit, and he said, he said, and he will guide you into all truth. I need to hear me. I need you to hear me on this. I need you to hear me on this. Listen to me very closely here. Please listen to me. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit's leading in your life is not parallel to, 
to the word of God. Do you hear what I said? Do you hear what I said? It's not parallel authorities. The Holy Spirit's leading in your life and in my life is submitted to the word of God. Did you hear what I said? You hear what I said? It's not parallel, it is submitted to. Why is that so important? The reason why it's so important is that I've seen people unwittingly manipulate other people in the name of telling them that God told me this or God led me to do this and they're acting as if what God said to them is the 67th book of the Bible. Be very careful of that. No, 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 no. The authority is in this book. It's in this book. That's where the authority is. And the Spirit of God submits himself to the written word of God and he guides us into that truth. It's a very, 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 very tender balance that you have to walk here. And it's very important. And people get all messed up and manipulated by strong personalities and people who say the Spirit of God said this to me and the Spirit of God is leading me to do this and he told me to tell you this. Well, that's true. You go back to the Word of God, see if it squares with this. If it squares with that, you do it. If it doesn't square with that, you tell them to take some Maalocs. <laughs> and so it has to square with what the truth of the Word of God is. That's the reason why... That's the reason why in, the, in Ephesians chapter 5, the results of being filled with the Spirit, you look over in Colossians chapter 3, um, the, the same results of being filled with the Spirit are those of, being, of, of letting the Word of God dwell in you richly. That's not by accident. It's not saying that the Word of God is the same as the Spirit of God. What it is saying is that the Spirit of God is honoring the Word of God. Important point. Second characteristic is that um, 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 you, the, the person who's led of the Spirit, uh, I've said this before, so I won't comment on it too much, is that they are controlled by the Holy Spirit. They walk in the truth of God's Word. They are surrendered to the control of the Holy Spirit. And then thirdly, they are pursuing the joy and freedom of grace. That's what Galatians chapter 5, verse 18 is all about. You see, the leading of the Spirit... I, you could go to Galatians 5. Galatians, this is where the, the filling and leading and walking in the Spirit, all of them are together, those concepts there. And so Paul says in Ephesians 5, 18, that, that uh, he gives us the succinct statement that we need to be controlled by the Spirit of God. But in, in, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through, through the very end, he, he profiles what that means. It really is parallel, a part of being led of the Spirit. He uses the word walk, which is the Greek word peripateo, slang expression, go about. Your behavior is to be typified. By the dominance of the Spirit of God. And one of the very first things that he says is that if you're led of the Spirit, you won't fulfill all of the judgments and the narrow stuff of the law. What is he talking about? The Spirit of God leads us into fullness and grace. I said it the other week that the, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's freedom. Third question. What is the filling of the Spirit? Who's led by the Spirit? Number three, how do we know? How do we know we're being led by the Spirit? How do we know? How do you know? How do I know? Well, you know, this is, I don't think this is as heavy as we might think. Actually, and I'm going to use a 10 cent word here, hang in there with me. Actually, I think when a person is filled with the Spirit of God, the leading of the Spirit is a self-authenticating reality. What do you mean by that? I think it's organic and natural to do. I think you sense, he speaks to us. I think you sense checks in your spirit. I think you sense a nudge to be pulled in a certain direction. So I, I, I don't think this is as heavy as we make it out to be. I think that the main thing is to make sure that we're squared with him because he's going to work. Remember, I said the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives is not passive, it is active. And when we're lined up with him, we discover that he is working. He's doing stuff in our lives. 
So, what do you mean by all this? Okay. The, the banner thought is this. The Spirit leads both externally, in terms of external direction, and with regard to internal impulses. There's some things that the Holy Spirit does. It puts us in situations where you don't, you don't even have to pray about it. It is so obvious that he is leading. You sit down next to a person on the airplane. They see you reading your Bible. This person leans over and says, you know, I'm, I really have some struggles in life, and I'm seeing, do you have any answers for me? Well, you don't bow your head and pray, Lord, do you want me to witness to this person? No, he says, talk to them about Jesus. That's what, that's what this is all about. So there are, there are these external circumstances that he sets us in where it's unquestionably the, the, the leading of the Holy Spirit. You, you, you do it. You do it. You do it. But then there's also the internal impulses. There's that subjective reality where we're sensing, I, you know, Crawford, you need to do this. Crawford, don't say that. Crawford, move. Do this. Call your son and tell him. There are these impulses that he gives to us. Um, Let me give you just two indications, and I want to land a plane here. Um, Here's an indication that we're being led by the Holy Spirit. And by the way, let me just back up and say, part of our problem is that we compartmentalize our lives. That's part of the problem. It's not that the Holy Spirit's not leading. It's it's that we're not in places to really tap into his leading. We separate our lives too much. We have our little devotional time in the morning, maybe. We read our Bibles, maybe. We pray, then we go on off to the business meeting and sit in the boardroom or answer the emails or deal with this issue and got this argument with my husband and wife and I had to figure out what the, how to discipline this child about this thing, got this problem over here. And then, and then, we, do, then we pray before we, to, before we go to bed. You know, the problem is, it's not that the Holy Spirit's not leading. We're just not in a place to hear him. We've so compartmentalized our lives, and we have so put so much stuff in our lives that we can't, we, you know, we, the, 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 the thing that we need to do is that <laughs> we need to cultivate sensitivity to the leading of the Spirit and live Godward lives. We have to, we have to integrate the reality of the presence of God into everything that we're doing and everything that we're saying. That's where this stuff all begins. If you a la carte this stuff, you're not going to hear from him. It's not that he's not speaking. It's just that we're not there. We're just too busy. We got too much stuff crammed into our lives. So there's the internal spiritual condition that we have to pay attention to. If, if we are being led away from ourselves, that's a wonderful sign. That's a wonderful sign that he's leading us. If there's a a growing passion for the person and work of our Savior. Remember, the Holy Spirit came to glorify Christ. If there's that that presence and that growing passion in my heart to glorify the Lord, then we know that he's leading us. And if our hearts are moving toward holiness and purity and we're overcoming, then we know that we're we're in a place, a condition where the Spirit of God can maximize our lives and, and use us in a great way. But then there are those specific needs, opportunities, situations that are sort of existential that we find ourselves in and we feel drawn toward. Something needs to be done. Through the years, I've learned to pay attention to these two questions before I act. One is this. Am I drawn to... Um, drawn to something or inwardly urged or compelled to act or respond. My, my heart is pulled towards something. There have been any number of times, for example, I've been driving in here or whatever, or driving home or, or during the course of the day, and, and on my heart out of nowhere will call, come somebody that I have this amazing urge that I need to pray for and call and give a word of encouragement or to thank them or whatever. 
If that persists more than a couple of minutes, I sense that that's the spirit of God. I need to do that. The other question I've learned to ask myself when I have these urges is, will my response exalt and honor Christ? And sometimes the answer to that question is, no, it won't. I have an urge to respond, and when I think about it, my urge is not driven by a right motivation. What was said just ticked me off, and I want to let you know that. I'm just shooting straight with you. And so not every urge I have is a sanctified urge. And so you need to ask yourself the question, okay, before I speak, before I act on this urge or this impulse that I have, let me ask the question, will Christ be honored by this act or by this response? All right, let me just land the plane here. There are kind of four applicational things I want to say in conclusion. The first one is this. We need to cultivate silence and listening in our lives. We are just too cluttered. And, I, and I'm guilty of this. I'll share, I'll share this with you. I, I was in Detroit yesterday morning speaking at an event, event there. And I flew back last night. I was just, I was, the last 10 days of my life had just been out of control. Okay? And that ain't all spiritual. All right? Just to be honest with you. Out of control. I'm trying to help a young man out in a different city, long story, that he's gone through some, some deep waters. And so he uh, texted me earlier in the day when I was on my way to the airport, could I get on this conference call with him and another Christian leader to work through this kind of stuff? And I said yes before I thought. You know, I, I, that could have waited until yes, tomorrow. You could have waited. So I landed in Atlanta, uh, you know, yesterday. I am bone-tired. I'm like wiped out. So what am I doing from the, from the airport all the way to my house? I'm on this conference call. I didn't need to do that. I didn't need to do that. Now, my heart was right, but it was stupid. That could have waited. And so I'm, I'm saying to you that I also struggle with cramming too much stuff in. And then we, we live our lives reacting rather than responding. And so we can't hear the voice of God. We start making assumptions about him. And I, I just think that all of us, you pray for me along these lines, all of us need to cultivate silence. Time in which we just stop. And learn to listen. Listen. Secondly, God wants to speak to us and minister through us to others. You got to believe that. I wonder how much ministry opportunity has been lost. There's stuff that God wants to do through you and through me. And you got to believe it. Again, as I said, the, ministry, the presence of the Spirit of God in our lives is not passive. It is active. He is working. Thirdly, let's not quench the Spirit. What do you mean by that? I talked about this a few weeks ago. Uh, don't ignore him. Many of us are being led, but once again, we're not listening. Don't quench him. If you feel that impulse, there's something on your heart to do. Stop for a second. Pay attention to that. Ask the question. Is this Christ honoring? I need to do this. Don't quench him. And then finally, caution. Said this earlier. To be led of the Spirit does not mean that we're not accountable to other Christians. Doesn't mean that at all. In fact, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, get a good dose of what Paul said to the church at Corinth. These folks were going buck wild in the church. I mean, they had all these gifts, and people were speaking in tongues all over the places. The services were chaotic. They were completely out of control. Completely out of control. So what does Paul say? This will shock you what he says. Paul said, stop it. Stop it. 
What you're calling the leading of the Holy Spirit is not the, you are acting in ways that are not accountable to leadership. In fact, he says in the text, let the spirit of the prophets be subject to the prophets. In other words, get in line here. He said, let things be done decently in order. Why? No, no, you're accountable. And so it is in our personal lives. The spirit of God is not going to lead us to be rebels. If he's established order, he will respect that order. And order is not always a way of quenching the spirit. Ultimately, it's a way of being effective. These elders have told me no, told me no recently about something that I really wanted to do. I felt like, and they said, yeah, well, back up. You know what? They were right. That ain't quenching the spirit. It's realizing that I ain't the fourth member of the Trinity. I'm a part of the body. That's what that's realizing. So let's stand together. If you're here today and you've yet to say yes to Jesus, the Spirit of God is probably drawing you right now. And your greatest response is to say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I turn from my sin and I trust you as my Savior and my Lord. And for the rest of us, fellowship, there ain't an organizational structure in the world or an idea, a plan, or vision coming from one group of people in the world that will be as effective as you listening to the Spirit of God in your life. And I want to encourage all of us, listen. 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 He's our guide. He's got some wonderful things that he wants, us, wants to do in and through us. Practice his presence. Do what he says. And watch him work. There'll be elders and staff members and Stephen ministers here at the end of the service to pray with us. And uh, if you have any burden, any need at all, don't, don't walk out those doors. Come on up here. Let us, let's love on one another. Be the body and pray for one another. Father, thank you for the grace of God. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you, O oh God, for the power of your word. Uh, help us, we pray. Oh God, these things leak from us. Um, and there are times in which, Lord, uh, you cause us to be very, very busy. But may we, even in those times, live in the presence of the Spirit of God, press into seeking you and praying without ceasing. May we stay tethered to your word. May we hear your heartbeat. Lead us, we pray. Forgive us for being rebels. Forgive us, O God, for neglecting your precious spirit. May we listen and obey. In Jesus' name, amen.